0: Welcome to Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. I'm Connie Thiessen. This week, we invited Jeff Fidler of Signal Hill Insights and music and radio blogger Sean Ross of Ross on Radio to talk about pandemic radio tuning on both sides of the border and explore the question, are middays the new mornings? We also get to this week's expansion of Apple Music's live radio offerings and what that means for both terrestrial and satellite radio as well as the rest of the streaming universe. We caught up with Vidler and Ross from their respective homes in Toronto and the New York area via Zoom. Happy National Radio Day. Happy
1: National Radio Day. Yeah.
0: You know, it's obviously uh, a challenging time for radio, but the reason that I wanted to have you both on is because the question of whether middays are the new mornings seems to be compounded, at least here in Canada, by a lot more syndication in the morning time slot, which is not historically something that has happened. A lot in Canada. Obviously, some companies are looking for synergies, but it begs the question, without a commute and everyone rolling out of bed a little bit later, is there enough data to suggest that this is a trend? Do you want to start, Sean?
1: I think middays are middays. Some people are sleeping in a half hour. Some people are bolt upright in bed at 4.45 in the morning. I think usage has not changed people are still using middays as middays. You're skipping through morning drive because you're not in the car, and then you're turning on the radio to have middays at 8.30 or 8.45 or 9 o'clock.
2: And another aspect about the mornings as well is that in addition to the morning commute, people are not getting up in the morning to organize themselves or their household to get ready for going out of the house for the day. That that kitchen radio or the clock radio listening just isn't there in the same way. And the needs are different too. So you've got kind of those two things are compounded among people who were working out of home and who are no longer working at home. Of course there are people in you know, I mean almost 50% of the workforce that still is working out of the home. But they don't necessarily work at normal times either. So it doesn't. They're driving and they're out there at other times, not necessarily first thing in the morning. They might be shift workers, uh, essential service workers who are working on things around the clock in
0: a lot of cases. Your feeling is that the work at home audience is going to be the same as the listen at work audience, regardless of of time shifting.
1: I think the usage doesn't necessarily change. I think what's going on here is that radio is scrambling to deal with the reality that you know was already becoming harsher and continues to change on a regular basis and looking at where it can deploy its resources. The morning show has to be put somewhere. I don't know if the right place for it is in middays.
2: From what I can see, Middays are middays. I think, as you said earlier, there are maybe different things that people are looking for from middays, but it's probably not a morning show. They're, you know, again, not looking to sort of figure out what's going to, what they need to do for the day, how to dress for going out of the house or getting those short snippets of entertainment in the 15 to 20 minutes that are in the car. If they're listening to radio at home in middays, they're listening to it either for just hearing the music in the background, although that's now easily um, substituted by streaming, um, increasing amount. Or when it comes to radio, they're looking for, I think you said, being part of a conversation. The one thing that we see from our research, people who are newly working from home, 55% say the thing they miss the most about working from home is missing those conversations, the interaction, Action they have with colleagues so you could extend that to say maybe that's something that midday radio if you're at home and you're listening to radio while you're working as you were before maybe in the office if that now you're also looking for just a bit more conversation from the announcer more of a sense of feeling like you have other people there with you uh, if that would replace that I don't know I mean who knows really it's gonna be a matter of experimentation I think the other thing that may happen, and I think, Sean, you mentioned that you've seen this too, is maybe, you know, when you're not listening, when the radio station isn't the one that everybody at work can agree on, people go to their special, more specialized formats if they're listening at home by themselves. Rock and country stations have, and alternative stations, seem to be weathering the storm a little bit better than the AC stations. And Sean, do you see that as well in the U.S.?
1: In the U.S., AC stations seem to have rebounded. Country stations, you know, of those stations that play any kind of significant contemporary music, seem to be the most stable. Top 40 uh, has had severe problems, and it seemed to be stabilizing, but, you know, every month they're back up at half the stations and back down at half the stations and you know, top 40 was sort of going through a product crisis already. So certainly now that there's not a half hour of driving your kids to school in the morning doesn't help them.
0: So who are the format winners in Canada so far in the pandemic, Jeff, and who is showing resilience?
2: What we see in PPM, and again, you know, in Canada, PPM is still only five markets. So it's dependent on the stations and the and the sample of the meters that are there. But Um, What we've been seeing is that Country and Alternative and rock are the ones that have actually at this point now pretty much bounced back to the same level of listening that they were uh, back in February pre-pandemic. AC stations, they're down. They are increasing slowly. Uh, top 40, as Sean said, just, you know, they're also soft, starting to increase a little bit, going back to where they were, but still quite a long ways from where they were. And actually, the other one that's interesting is News Talk. Even though they had a big bump there, sort of, you know, end, middle to end of March, when everything was falling apart, people were scrambling to listen to their all news station or News Talk stations. That listening has dropped off, and is actually it's below where it was before. Again, these are radio stations that prepare you for the day, um, and in a way that you don't need that anymore, presumably. Um, sports stations as well, way down, because of lack of sports for several months, and and they're starting to come back now that there's sports as well. But the ones that are holding the best are rock, country, alternative. And remember, this
1: is summer. TV news viewing actually went up in mornings at the beginning of the pandemic and then tapered off. But in a way that's consistent with summer patterns every year, uh, the need for morning news could go back up. And then the question is whether radio is going to fight to be the one who provides it or whether it's one more thing that we're willing to cede to
2: television. As we have other ways to find that information now that's working for us. You know, that's the, that's the kind of permanent impact that there could be. Well,
1: and you know, we obviously have to change to meet those needs as they evolve. You know, I'm just concerned about conceding anything. One of my concerns about Morning Drive is that it had become really only an in car issue. We weren't fighting with TV to be the first thing you turned on in the morning. We weren't fighting with devices to keep the alarm clock function. And that left us with the car and you know if in car listening is down you know do we just move everything to middays or do we find a way to fight to get back in people's morning routines
0: well jeff you you mentioned in a recent blog post about how you know times of great change have led to changes in how content is delivered the ac format emerging in the 1970s when more women entered the workforce on mass What kinds of opportunity are there out of this current shift?
2: I think it's awfully early to tell, and it's a horrible answer. But for two reasons. Number one, we really don't know how things might change. You know, we do believe certainly that there will be more remote working even as we come out of the pandemic, but um, nobody knows really what that is. We did a survey back in early July, and we asked people, new at-home workers, how they felt about working at home. And they, you know, for the most part, were feeling pretty positive about working at home. Um, You know, two thirds of them said that they're actually in the future, their preference would be for a world where they did a combination of working from the office and working from home. So that too may have an impact. But again, the employer gets to weigh in on this as well. And and when we asked them about whether their employers were talking about bringing people back in the office, for the most part, those who had been sort of starting to do some planning, they were planning to bring pretty much everybody back into the office. So again, it's kind of tough to say what might happen. I think the what's wise for radio is to do some scenario planning. What if people don't go back into the office? Then what kind of radio is going to work? Can we test some of that out now while people still aren't working? That's a possibility. What kind of scenario do you plan for if some of that listening has been replaced? I mean, Sean, I think we could talk about different scenarios, but I think you you don't really know for sure. So you should really be thinking about plan A, plan B, plan C.
0: So do either of you have thoughts on how programmers or music schedulers can deal with all of this in this sort of temporary sense of impermanence?
1: What I get back from people, what I get back from other programmers and what I see from looking at how midday listening has held relatively stable is that it's probably best to assume that the things that made good radio six months ago are still good radio. I agree that it should probably be supplemented by more personality and more connection and having the water cooler discussion with people that they're not able to have with coworkers. But in terms of, you know, what is the right record to program now at 10 in the morning, it was probably the right record to program at 10 o'clock in the morning six months ago.
2: John, do you think that top 40 programming will change? Will you still have the hour and a half turnaround or is it going to be stretched out rotations for longer listening pads if you're not programming for the car, driving the kids to school and back? I think
1: top 40 has been really hurt by the strategy that everybody has embraced for the last 10 years, which is time spent listening in a single occasion means nothing play a hit now, play it again in 65 minutes. Don't worry about TSL, make it up with other occasions. Clearly, that hasn't worked for Top 40 in the last couple of months. At the same time, you see Top 40 stations being beaten in America by classical stations, by class of country stations, by stations that have traditional TSL strategies, you know long playlists and long listening spans. I just came from Northeast Pennsylvania listening to WKRZ and Wilkes-Barre, which has been one of the most successful mainstream top 40s of the last 20 years. They held up really well during the format downturn in the early. 90s, and they're holding up pretty well now, and they don't play their songs 120 times a week. They play them 80 times a week. They don't play their recurrence 90 times a week. They play them 30 times a week. Dua Lipa, Don't Start Now, is not still a power after nine months. Post Malone Circles is not still a power after 15 months. And, you know, I can't help note, Listen, that they've hung in there, and it also happens that they have a morning show in every day part. You know, their morning show is still on when the morning show is on. But they have Ryan Seacrest, they have a two-person afternoon show, and they're still hosted at night. And you know, they trust the night host to discuss the pandemic and
2: discuss news. Isn't it?
0: Have either of you seen any innovative moves already that have come out of some of this disruption?
2: Great question. Sean probably has a longer list than I do, but it's a lot of stations are taking the opportunity to experiment, to do different things. Obviously, particularly in sort of the, um, when sheltering was at its peak back in April, May, and June, a lot of stations were supporting local businesses, doing some of those things of reaching out to the community in a time of need. But I think back to something Sean said, I think a lot of them from the ones I talked to, it's just a matter of how do we do the best possible radio. The year's already shot in terms of revenues. So let's not worry so much about the ratings. Still important. Let's, you know, let's just do the best radio we can and the basis that the strong brands will survive.
1: Yeah, I think brand means a lot. It's been Hard for people to launch new brands under normal circumstances in the last couple of years. And yet it still happens, you know, as with today in Calgary. And it happens to some extent if you believe it can happen. I think people are so busy, uh, and I understand it, so busy worried about what they can do that any sort of innovation has been put on hold at
2: this moment because people are scrambling. Certainly, lots of stations taking advantage of the opportunity to play lots of music as inventory levels dropped. Lots of long music sweeps, but I'm not sure that qualifies as innovation um, or just a matter of opportunity. Well, and people tell me they don't
1: necessarily hear shorter spots, shorter stop sets in the U.S. People seem to be selling the same six minutes, uh, but for less sometimes. They have said... Entercom has uh, been putting the two-minute promise, you know, doing two-minute stop sets, three or four an hour instead of six-minute stop sets. They've put it in at Alt-92.3 in New York. I know they're starting to do it more at other stations, and, you know, I think that is making a difference. Sometimes it takes six months to a year to see it, but as people's expectations of what a fair commercial spot
2: load is, uh, I think it's a smart move. You, I think there's a lot of thinking about how can radio reinvent itself. If if spots are a problem, maybe this is the time to rethink the way that we schedule them. And when we go back, do we can we maybe get away with charging higher rates for less inventory?
0: Do either of you have thoughts on Apple Music's expansion this week of its live radio offerings? Obviously, uh, you know, somewhat in the vein of podcasting, there's a lot of artist driven shows on that expanded roster. What do you think about this live radio streaming uh, expansion?
1: I think Apple gave radio a five-year head start by not doing some of the things it did this week sooner. There has always been the potential challenge that Apple or some other national player would try to do national or international radio, and it would be Apple, and it would walk in with an international platform and all the resources of of an Apple or a Microsoft. I think they haven't completely shut down radio's opportunity because, you know, what they're doing is still relatively eclectic. It's less eclectic than it was five years ago. They are still very much at the extreme end of the programming spectrum compared to mainstream commercial play that hits radio. But there's still Apple and you know they're still teaching people how to use them instead of how to use broadcast radio. And they're doing it at a time where more listening than ever is on devices.
2: Yeah. You know, Apple has, you know, enormous market power, which puts them into a very powerful position in terms of moving radio if you like from broadcast to digital. They have that distribution advantage because they have those phones in people's hands that, that radio companies don't have. And I think, you know, it will be really important and really interesting to see how it develops because there's local radio and that's there's a the thing about being local that has value, presumably going forward. But as Apple starts to, if in fact they start to build radio audiences through really what is a radio type of programming, then the question, this is the, the crazy question that you start looking at is, what is a broadcast license worth then? Why don't we just go and move on digital where we don't have to worry about regulations, where we don't have to pay for a transmitter? The only thing is we don't have that distribution advantage that Apple does. And that's the challenge. Can radio operators find some way to deal with that? As you said, Sean, Apple gave us a five-year head start. Is that helping us at all in terms of how we make that same kind of transition?
1: Yeah, every time a commercial broadcaster has taken a format off of the transmitter and tried to put it on the web, you know, usually so they can do something else on the -the over-the-air frequency, they've told the displaced audience, this will be online, and, you know, it's almost never worked. But, of course, we should have a quiver of multiple brands. I believe very much that you know radio player in Canada should have not just every station in Canada, but tons of well-curated, hosted standalone stations. And it should be broadcasters' way of competing with satellite radio and with whatever the apples of the world have to offer. At this moment, most Canadian stations are geo-blocked outside Canada. Yeah, I think that's a mistake. I think that I understand that there are rights issues to be negotiated, but I think Canada has world-class radio stations that, you know, should compete internationally when radio becomes international.
0: Yeah, I think it opens up a lot of questions. Although I sort of previewed some of the Apple music stations at launch this week in terms of the music selection. Without those big name artist-led shows, is there really much difference between CHR stations in every local market?
1: I don't know if there is a difference in ways that people not in the business will detect. I could, you know, I could bore everybody at length by talking about why it's not mainstream commercial radio as programmers know it. I don't know how it's gonna read to an individual listener. And it's certainly in its original Beats music form was not so compelling because otherwise they wouldn't be redoing it this week.
2: And it does seem more commercial than what they're doing with Beats 1, doesn't it to you, Sean?
1: Certainly on the countryside. And if you're used to Sirius, the highway, which certainly does its own thing and makes its own hits. We're actually facing the potential of a freshness war between two major platforms in the way that we used to have them within the market, the way that the Winnipeg Top 40 stations used to battle back and forth to discover music. Now we have Apple and Sirius XM and Spotify battling back and forth to be first with the freshest country songs Broadcast country radio spends forty to fifty weeks running songs up the charts.
0: Is the throwback though to you know the the hits of the eighties, nineties, and two thousands? I was surprised at that move from a format choice perspective.
1: Well, I think there's definitely a hits of the nineties through now format starting to develop. It already exists on the radio in Edmonton. It already exists on the radio in Calgary. It's just popped up on the radio here in Miami. So I think they're pretty smart coming up with the classic hit station that plays the Spice Girls, the classic hit station that plays early 2000s music, the classic hit station that plays Dr. Drake. There is a hole there and I think they've done a good job of finding that as broadcast radio just sort of starts to negotiate into that place. That said, certainly hits of 80s, 90s today. They they do have some surprisingly square
2: radio terminology.
0: Are there any thoughts that either of you wanna close on?
2: My thinking is that these are exciting times um, and it is an opportunity to try new things to be aware of social changes that are happening and what kind of impact they may have on what the needs are of listeners, of how radio can serve those needs, and doing some experimentation around how you might serve those needs. It won't all work, but someone's going to hit it right. Um, and I think that's an opportunity that you know those who get there first will be able to leverage going forward, uh, whether that's Broadcast or whether that's also happening online. It's, you know, the world has opened up that way and this pandemic has only accelerated that change.
1: As I think about Apple launching this week, I'm hoping that we will come out of this after we stop scrambling, which, you know, I understand. Most broadcasters don't have a choice at this moment. But I'm hoping we can move forward deliberately with a smaller number of stations that we can do well. If there is going to be more networking, let's not make them fake wannabe local stations. Let's make them proudly networked and make them sound big. And then to Jeff's point, the station that is going to be the local station needs to be local. And it needs to be local at 10 o'clock at night if there's a train derailment. And it needs to be local at four o'clock on Saturday afternoon if a celebrity passes. And it needs to be local, particularly in mornings, if we are going to start engaging for morning listening again. So I'm actually optimistic that radio still has the resources and the bandwidth to do what it needs to do. I don't know if it's capable of taking the step back that it to take to get to
2: and radio has the talent I think that's the other thing if you're looking at who can do this kind of radio there's still most of them hopefully the best ones are still working in the business or um, maybe sitting on the sidelines for now and available to be brought into play
0: thank you both for doing this
2: yeah my pleasure thanks very much for the opportunity Tony
0: Our thanks to Jeff Vidler and Sean Ross. Both of our guests are active bloggers. If you're not following Ross on radio, check out his column at RadioInsight.com. Sean is also a contributor to Broadcast Dialogue. You can find Jeff's blog through SignalHillInsights.com. For Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, I'm Connie Thiessen.